The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus and his disciples were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And they were overwhelmed with grief. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax approached Peter and said, Does not your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he said. When he came into the house, before he had time to speak, Jesus asked him, What is your opinion, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take tolls or census tax? From their subjects or from foreigners? When he said, From foreigners, Jesus said to him, Then the subjects are exempt. But that we may not offend them, go to the sea, drop in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. Open its mouth, and you will find a coin worth twice the temple tax. Give that to them for me and for you. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, today is one of these days where I was going to preach on something completely different, and then, you know, the Holy Spirit just completely realigned my thoughts about five minutes ago. So, you know, that's how it goes every once in a while. And um, one of the reasons being, again, sometimes there's just a lot that we have with the saint that we celebrate today, and then also the gospel that we're given. And also sometimes, like I say, people in the room. I promised myself I wouldn't do this, and here I go. I tell you what, you know, one of our seminarians, Justin, is here today, and I said, don't bring Justin up by name. Just leave him alone. And I can't, I, I can't help myself. And one of the reasons is being because he was just at one of our mutual friends' ordination in Alaska, Father, Father Madison. And as I, it's the Lord, I don't know. As I look out there today, I see two of our seminarians that are here, and then two other prospective seminarians that are here. And I'm just like, Lord, you just keep bringing them here. It's amazing. And, and I think about my own life as a seminarian and my own difficulty. And one of the things that we see here in the gospel is that there's a number of things happening here, right? So you notice that Peter, they choose Peter. They actually single him out because even the leaders of that day notice that there's something unique about Peter in that particular situation. So they ask him about what his teacher is doing. So it's, it's another thing about the primacy of Peter and the authority that had been given to him was also noticed about the people, noticed by the people who surrounded Jesus in that time. But notice also, like, through this whole series of things that happens in Matthew, Jesus is constantly teaching them specific lessons. And so he uses really unusual circumstances and situations to do that. That's often our life as seminarians. When you're assigned to like summer assignments and different things like that, so many ways and shapes and forms and situations continue to form you so that you learn about different things. And obviously, Jesus is giving Peter and the disciples like a lesson here. And one of the huge things that he's trying to explain to them is that Again, it's the providence of God. There, there's a time he says to, you know, the wicked generation that he's preaching to, he's like, no sign will be given them except the sign of Jonah, right? This prefigurement of the resurrection that's going to happen. He's already talking about that here. You know, he's talking about what's going to happen to him, and they're greatly grieved by it because they still don't quite understand 
the providence of God. And that's where he's trying to help them throughout their whole life realign their thoughts with the thoughts of Jesus and how he functions. Remember what he also says to Peter when he rebukes Peter, right? He makes this great claim about his divinity that he's the Christ. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. And then he says, you're thinking like men do, not as God does. So all of the lessons of Jesus for his disciples are putting on the mind of Christ. Yesterday, when I was in the sacristy, <laughs> this is the funniest situation, one of our, uh, one of our um, altar servers, Jack, had his two nephews back there. And one of the little boys came up to me and he said, are you Jesus? And, and so we all just kind of laughed. And I said, you know, I was just like, I am not Jesus. I said, but when I put that on, I was like, I seek to be like Jesus. And that's one of the realities as priests, as future priests, as Christians that we have. We're trying to put on the mind of Christ all of the time. And in this particular case, of course, what does Jesus do? He shows his absolute command over something natural and provides. His providence reigns again. Here's the temple tax. Just take it out of this fish's mouth you know, and stuff. And so he gives them and he provides for them. But he provides for them to teach them a lesson that's a lot larger than that moment, than that tax, to see outside of that situation. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross was somebody who had a past, you know. So she was raised in a Jewish family, and then she was an atheist. She was a very smart person. I've mentioned this before. It's not uncommon for people that are very intellectually smart to struggle with a belief in God. Why is that the case? Often, it's because they outsmart themselves. They convince themselves that they're so smart that they don't really need God. That's one of the greatest dangers in life, is that you think that you can provide for yourself. This is the same reason why they say it's hard for a rich person to enter heaven, because it can give you the illusion that you can provide completely for yourself and you've never needed anything outside of that. But why does the kingdom of heaven, you know, belong to the little ones, the poor? Because they have this great understanding of the providence of God and how much he's needed in their life to provide for them. But, but sometimes if we're <laughs> blessed with the riches of intellect or blessed with the riches of material wealth, those things can kind of sideline us and convince us that, that we have everything that we need. And then you couldn't be further from the truth in that particular case. But she was an atheist at one point in her life, you know, of course. And then she has this great conversion and becomes a great saint. She becomes a discalced Carmelite. And then eventually, when um, the Nazis conquered Holland, she was moved to a, uh, a convent there. But then they sent her and her sister to a concentration camp. And then she was, and she was killed in the gas chambers along with her sister. Um, you know, martyred for the faith. But at one point in her life, just like C.S. Lewis and many others we know, she struggled with faith. She had a past. She had something she didn't know that she would be able to overcome. But through Christ, through realigning her life, she was able to leave behind the pride of her past, the sins of her past, and move on. Move on so much so that you know, she was able to be martyred for the faith. Um, that's the ultimate sacrifice. That's the ultimate, you know, success story. Even though it's a scary thing, you know, a terrifying thing, 
the ultimate success story is that somebody who lived their own life completely from themselves went all the way the other direction and gave their whole life for Christ. And that's what we're trying to do. That, that's that's what, we, what we seek to do in each one of our lives. And so Jesus teaches those lessons to us, um, the church, you know, leaders in the church, people that we know in the church, help teach us these lessons. I can't even tell you the countless lessons priests taught me throughout my time in, in the seminary and throughout this time. And so as I look out there and I see other men seeking to do this, just know for all of you, and I know many of you pray for vocations, just know that it is an unbelievably uphill battle where we're super outnumbered. And so you need to continue to pray for those who are discerning religious life or vocations to the priesthood. Because the seeds of discouragement that are sown in our life are, um, are, are just so prevalent. They're so prevalent. And sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, just, I can't do it. You know, certainly, we say, I'm not worthy. And that's completely true, of course. Absolutely, we're not worthy. I'm not worthy to be standing in front of all of you here today. But through Christ, if we put on Christ the chasuble, this is the priestly garment. This is the, this is the Christ garment that we put over ourselves. One thing that we do when we get vested is my clerics, my black clothes, my collar, those are all just like my human priestly clothing. But even this amice, it seeks to cover up me, um, cover up Peter, cover up my normal identity, and clothe myself with Christ, so that when I stand before you, I can give him to you without getting in the way. Uh, Father Brett Brandon wrote the great book, To Save a Thousand Souls, which is like the priestly discernment manual these days, essentially. And he gave our retreat this year. And I told you this before, I believe, but what did he say? He said, and he said it emphatically, too. He kind of almost yelled at us. He just said, brothers, lead people to Christ and then get out of the way. And so that, that's what we're supposed to do. We cover up ourselves so that we can bring Christ to all of you. Um, but your prayers need to be there. We need to align ourselves with Christ and be like martyrs for the faith. Be willing to, to truly die for him, to die for our faith, to bring him to other people. God bless you all.